unfailing love of God. Come on, can you just put your hands together? If you know what it's like, if you know what it's like to experience the harshness of life, the enemy coming into your home, into your family, into your, your job and your finances like a flood. And, but the, the, the Lord's still raising up the standard against him to, to still show him so strong and mighty in your life. One more time, just give, give God a praise this morning. Come on, somebody, if you've ever experienced a love that you didn't deserve, if you've ever experienced that while you were still a sinner, while you were still broken, while it still was not fixed, while you still didn't have it together, but God still loved you enough that he gave you grace and mercy that he opened doors for you come on lift up your voice right now hallelujah you made a way if you've ever experienced that that he's made that way out of no way where he's shown grace and mercy to you jesus 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 you made a way out of no way. You know, it hasn't dawned on me yet that we're in a new year. I know the calendar. I know. It, I, I think it'll dawn on me when I have to go back to work. But it hasn't hit me yet. But one thing I have found, one thing I've learned, one, 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 one thing I, I know for sure is that trouble and trial are ahead of me. I know that without a shadow of a doubt. 
Brother Carl, what I also know is that the Lord moved mountains for me before. Sister Brenda, I, I know in, the, in my bones that he made a way for me before. Josh, I experienced heartache and, and trial and, and, and circumstance before, and he got me through it. And so I can stand here confidently and say that I'm going to be blessed this year. I can stand here this morning on the whatever day of January we're in, the 8th of January. Brother Todd, I can say without a shadow of a doubt that my, my best days are in front of me. Why? Because if he be for me, if he goes before me, victory's ahead of me, hope's ahead of me, joy's ahead of me, peace is ahead of me. Right now, I need someone to just grab a hold of the fact that there's something that is coming ahead of you. There will be trials, there will be struggle, there will be hard days. But listen, the word of God, the promise of God is still true. If he be for us, nothing, 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 nothing can be against us. If you believe that, put your hands together and thank the Lord one more time. Praise the Lord. It's so good to see you all may be seated. To all of our friends and all of our guests, it truly is an honor to worship with you. I'm Stefan, one of the pastors here, and it truly is an amazing opportunity to lift up the name of the Lord Jesus Christ in 2023. I believe that God has great things in store for you and I this year, that great things are going to happen in us, in our homes and in our families and our relationships and our businesses and our finances and through us in our community and in extension our world so looking forward to that as brother daniel our youth pastor said earlier on the 21st we are having our serve team meeting so anybody that does anything here if you do anything pick up you know the the the, the, the water bottles that i leave around First, I apologize. Please forgive me. I'm very forgetful. I'll probably leave my water bottle right there. It'll be back here next week. If you do anything, please plan to come on out at 11 o'clock on the 21st so we can talk about the amazing things that God is going to continue to do through us. Over the last few weeks, I've had quite a few of you stop me and say, I would love to get plugged in. I would love to be a part. I'd love to join. Um, I would love to do something. This is a great opportunity for you to come on out to hear about what God is doing in us, hear about all the amazing ways that, that, that you can get plugged in and we can start that process. So on the 21st, somebody say the 21st, 21st at 11 o'clock, that'll be here, come on out. 
all of you, I invite you. Amen. All right, so uh, last week, Pastor introduced our theme for this year. Everybody say kingdom. Kingdom. So we introduced this idea, and we're going to be focusing on the entire year. The entire 2023 will be a focus on the kingdom. Pulled out of Matthew chapter 6, where Jesus begins to, to give those instructions. He's, he's talked about some things before and, 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 and given this sermon on the mountain. Then he begins to say in verse number 9, he says, After this manner, therefore pray ye our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. We introduce this idea of wanting the kingdom of God to lead us and to guide us. It's understanding that we are part of the kingdom. The word of God is saying, that we are, the kingdom is here. As we jump into this new year, we're going to, can, you're going to hear this a lot. It's going to show up a lot. If you follow us on any of our social medias, it will be all over the place. Anybody that's connected through text with me on any of the variety of group texts that I'm in and you are in, you will hear about the kingdom. Like It is going to be the focus of this year. And so I'm excited, like I'm, I'm excited because I am grateful to be a part of the kingdom. I'm glad to be working for the kingdom. I'm glad to be connected to the kingdom. I'm glad to be able to lift up the kingdom, to be known by the kingdom. But this, on this second Sunday of the year, we want to talk about who reigns in the kingdom. We're going to talk about who it is that is the king of this kingdom and how we meet this king. You see, a few weeks ago I was reading um, an article, I don't remember. I read so many newspapers a day, like it's, like, like it, it's a thing. Like my day starts really early, and I read all these newspapers. And it's so much better now that it's online because I used to have like stacks on stacks on stacks of not dollars, but newspapers. Like I, I would have so many newspapers all over the place. But now I read newspapers all the time, multiple newspapers a day. I was reading a few weeks ago an article, and it was talking about how um, uh, one of the things that we need to think about in 2021 I mean, 2023. Ooh. I told y'all I wasn't ready. I was not lying. I also obviously wasn't ready for 2022 either. I don't know. I don't know. It's not ready. But it says that one of the things that we need to think about in 2023 is how to repair and restore some of the connections and relationships um, in this new year. Because throughout over the last few years, uh, there has been a disconnect. You know, um, for, 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 there's been a trend towards uh, like um, less connection and interpersonal connection because of technology. And then pandemic and things has really exacerbated that. 
And so thinking about how it is that we are um, repairing some of those connections and building those connections, how important those connections, interpersonal connections are. We know how important it is to be connected to other people, right? We know that it's important to be connected, forsake not the, the, the gathering of, each, of yourselves together. We understand the importance of connection. But it was talking about from a, the perspective of, of, of kids and how easily they are, you know, they're connected. I've got a beautiful um, three-year-old niece who I love so much. I tell you all about my nieces and nephews all the time. I've got an older one, some younger ones, and some middle-aged ones. I don't know. And, and but but I've got like a little baby one, and she's so wonderful. Uh, and she's like Uncle Fawn, Uncle Fawn, Uncle Fawn, and it's great. But like, uh, if if we're hanging out and another kid shows up, like for me, I'm like, like, dude, what do you want? Why are you here? But she, in her pure, wonderful, fantasticness, will go and share her toys sometimes. Unless it's her brother, then that doesn't happen. She'll share, she'll ask if they want to watch. She'll play games with them. She'll try and talk to them. Like she'll do all of these things and build these connections. I work in middle school. And it's, it's amazing to me how quickly relationships form and break. How quickly and easily uh, uh, kids are able to form these bonds and these relationships. But as adults, how difficult it is. And it was talking about how important it is for us as adults to understand some of the things that makes relationships successful for kids. Because adults, we're looking at things and we're making judgments on our, our compatibility based on our information that we have. What status they have what profession they have, what level of education they have, how much money they have, where do they live, what race are they. All of these things filter through our brain as we're making calculations about our connections. All of these things filter through our, our, our minds as we're determining whether this is going to be a suitable match for us to be friends and to build connections. And the article was talking about how important it is for us to, to, to put some of those things aside and understand that these are people. That no matter the station, no matter the, 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 the place, no matter the background, no matter the heritage, no matter the language, these are people. And we can build connection with people. I understand fully, like those of you that know me intimately, like you know that like I, I, I'm in a one-on-one, -on -one, smaller group situation, like I'm really awkward. Like, very strange because like, it's, it's not natural for me to build these connections. Like, it's something that I have to personally work on really, really hard. Like, Sarah will tell you, like, usually she's, like, the one that will interpret my awkwardness to you. Like, I'm serious. Like, we went to, to, to dinner recently with some, and I would say something, and I'd look at her, and she would be like, I'd be like, okay, that's good. Like, yes, that was right. It's real. <laughs> She, she's like, oh boy. Like right now, everybody look at her and she's going to interpret that this is right. right. Don't do that. It'll get me in trouble. Don't do that. But I understand how important it is to build those connections. Even though it's difficult and it's hard for me. It's, I understand. And, and so it's important for us to build those things. You see, it's funny because now as we're coming back from, you know, um, I'm I'm in education, I'm a teacher, and you know, coming back from, from being, um, from teaching virtually to being in person, it was interesting because, you know, I would sit and, and, and you'd have this image of this person that you see through the screen. 
you have this idea. Like you can hear their voice, sometimes you can see their face. But I remember I came back and our first session back in person, I'd never seen the students in person. I'd never seen the kids and they'd never seen each other either. And I remember I came back and the kids were coming in. They were so excited because we get to do things in person again. And I'm so grateful that we get to gather in person. I'm just grateful that we get to do these things. Like it absolutely is amazing, fantastic and life-giving. And so they got to come back. And I'll never forget this scene. I'm watching and this boy like walks in and this other boy like walks in. He's so excited and goes up and he's like, hey, you know, I'm so-and-so. And the other kid like is looking at him so like strangely, like with the scrunchy strange face, like, like with like, it was like he had no recognition that this is, you know, this is somebody we knew. And he's like, I am, and introduced himself. And the kid was like, really? He was like, I thought you'd be taller. And this stuck with me because number one, I was like, that's rude. <laughs> Come on, bro, that's rude. <laughs> but he can't help that. But also, because he had made this assumption based on just things that, like, it wasn't even things he knew. And so often we make assumptions. Assumptions about people's worth, people's ability, people's capability, based on things that we don't really know. Today we're going to talk about encounters with the king. But the encounters are going to be based off John chapter number 4. So John chapter number four, there's a specific encounter that a woman has with Jesus. If you go ahead and put up John chapter four and verse number one, we'll read and then I'm gonna stop at some point. It says, now when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and and baptizing more disciples than John, it says, although Jesus himself didn't baptize them, it wasn't him, it was his disciples that actually did it. But anyway, it says he left Judea and departed again for Galilee. And it says he has a pass through Samaria. Everybody say Samaria. And you see, Samaria is an important like, uh, detail in this story. Because years ago, like 700 and something years before Christ, like 722 or something like that, B.C., the Assyrians came and, and they overtook northern Israel. Some died, some were displaced, but there were a few of the citizens that were there that got to stay. And so this is important because the, the, the rest of the Jews, they, 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 they got expelled and they got, um, they got kicked out and they, 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 they held on to their, their, their heritage. They held on to their, their, their culture. They held on to the way they worshiped. They held on to all of these things. But the few that got to stay, they intermarried. They began to take on some of the beliefs of, the, of, of those that, that had overtaken them, they, that those, those that were still left over. And so their, their religion and, and their culture was not the same as those that got expelled. The ones that stayed, this is Samaria. And so we find that the ones that got kicked out, the ones that got thrown out, the ones that, that, that had, had, had experienced this pain and this trauma, they, they looked on to Samaria as those that were less than, deluded. They're looking on as, 
as those that, that, that weren't true worshipers. They were dirty, they were unclean. So we find that it says that he has to go through Samaria. So it says he came to a, a town of Samaria called Sychar near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. And verse number six, it says Jacob's well was there. And so this is an important place. And so it says Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. In verse number seven, it says a woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. And verse number eight says, first disciples had gone away and they were gone, they were buying some food. Verse number nine says, the Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, asked for uh, a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews had no dealings with Samaritans. We find in this moment, we know this story, those that have grown up around uh, 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 Christ or grown up around the church, you've heard this story about the Samaritans, that, 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 the, the, the good Samaritan, you know, the one that went and saved. And, and we, we hear these stories about Samaria and the Samaritans. We know that there's this, this, this idea that, that they're bad and that there's something wrong with them. And now in our most enlightened state, we look back on this and we clutch our pearls and we'd be like, oh my goodness, you shouldn't treat people differently. Oh my goodness, there's no reason why you should treat them like this. Wow, that is not nice. That's not good. That's not right. How dare they treat these Samaritans? They're just people. They're just trying their best. They're just trying to make it. There's no reason you should treat them that way. There's no reason that we should treat them poorly. Don't those Jews know better? Don't they know what they're supposed to do? And it's easy for us to begin to intellectualize the fact that they are wrong until we begin to turn the, instead of this old, this age, old issue to now we're looking at ourselves and some things. Instead of placing Samaritans as those that are dirty, we start thinking about those, the other prejudices that we have. Those that are from different countries, that speak different languages than us that we don't associate with because we think that we're better than. They're not as smart or they're not as capable. And you see, Jesus, if we look back, it says that Jesus had to go to Samaria, a place where none of the Jews would go, a place where the Pharisees are like, this is not a place for us. Jesus says he has to go to Samaria. He sits down in Samaria at this important well in the sixth hour, and a woman comes up and he says, can I have some water? Can I have some water? What we have to understand is that this did not happen by accident. This is not some just random moment in the experience of Jesus Christ. But there's something powerful that is happening in this moment that is speaking to us about the kingdom. We have to understand this, that Jesus goes to meet this woman at the well. And what we have to understand in 2023, I got it that time, in 2023, that when we're talking about the kingdom, when we're talking about how we engage with the kingdom, when we have an understanding of who the king is, we have to get this in our minds, that we often will encounter the king at the place of our need. Here's what I mean. Jesus is sitting at a well 
He could have been sitting under a tree. He could have asked for some lodging. He could have stayed on the outskirts. But it says that he goes and he's sitting at a well. The significance of a well is it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you're from. It doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter the station that they lived. It does not matter the position that they held in the city. The well was a place that everyone had to go. You see, back in these days, cities and, 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 and communities and, and cultures were created around the well. You see, because without a well, without a source of water, the people would not survive. Without access to water, without a well, the community would not thrive. And so they had, no matter who they were, the shepherd needed the well. His sheep needed the well. The priests needed the well. The saints needed the well. The judge needed the well. The criminals, they came to the well. The husbands came to the well. The wives came to the well. Children came to the well. Elders came to the well. Wealthy had to come to the well. Poor and destitute had to come to the well. This is a place where everyone needed to go. And Jesus understood that at this place, I'm going to be able to meet some people in need. You see, oftentimes we have this feeling that, God, I'm going to come when everything is good. God, I'm going to bring when everything is fine. But I've had to understand that Jesus is not just here. He's just not the king when everything is perfect. He's not just making ways where there seemeth to be a way when, when everything is going well, but he's finding me in my greatest need and he's standing there and saying, don't you know who I am? He meets me right there at the well and says that I am the one that you need. And so hear me. It says that Jesus came and sat at the well. His disciples were gone, and he waited. He waited until the sixth hour the woman showed up. One thing I've learned about the king is that sooner or later, every one of us will have to make our way to the well. Sooner or later, every one of us, Thomas, will have to make our way to the well. And when we do, Travis, Jesus will be waiting there for you. Every one of us will find our place at the well, and Jesus will be there. And then he'll ask, he asks this question. So she comes, she, he, he, he says, give me some water so that I can drink. In verse number seven, give me some water so that I can drink. The conversation with this woman at the well begins with water. I found this interesting because at a place of need, he then asks her for something that he does need. 
So he asked her, can I have some water? She's there obviously grabbing water. Not that big of an ask, I guess. To me, just give him some of your water. Begins to, to have this long conversation. Well, you don't have anything. Like, why don't you have a picture or something? Or you don't have anything, whatever. But I find this interesting. Because Jesus talks to her about water. He's talking to her about how important, you know, I, I need this water. And, and, and she needs this water. And we know that water is so vital for our survival. We, are, uh, we can only make it, what, like three days without drinking water. We can make it quite a while drinking water and having no food. But even if we have food and we don't have water, we're not going to make it very long. And so water is very important. We, we, we are made up mainly of water. If, uh, if you look at the chemical makeup of us, it's, it's a about 70% of who we are and what we are, the chemical makeup of humans is water. Water is so, is so vital because it is who we are. It's what we are made up of. And so she, she's going to get some, some water to quench the thirst, to, to feed uh, and, and to continue to bring life to who she is. And so Jesus says, can you share a little of that with me? And she begins to talk to him and says, well, 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 well you don't have anything and why are you asking me? Why are you asking this? this why are you a Jew asking me a Samaritan woman there's no way we're not supposed to have conversation we're we're not supposed to have interactions we're not supposed to really talk to each other and and and, and really have these these moments what is it that you are asking me this is not something that we should be be talking about but Jesus understood the significance of not just the well but the water because he understood that she was coming to get something to feed who she was, to restore her to proper levels, to maintain that, 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 that makeup of who she is. She's made up of water to continue to make that up. But he tells her something interesting. He says, you keep drinking water from this well and you'll be thirsty again. You're going to have to continue to fill up who you are. He says, but if you understood who you were talking to, you would ask me to give you some, some of this living water I have. Because this living water I have, it's the water that, and, and he says in verse number 14, it says, but whoever drinks of the water that I give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I give him will become uh, in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. See, as I was praying about this and I was, 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 was praying about the encounters with the king, Brother Carl, I remember being a kid and, and hearing about how, uh, you know, he's going to give you wells of living water. I can't do the preacher voice. My, my, my voice hurts. Hey. He's going to bring it out in you, these wells of living water. And I'm so grateful that he gives us that living water. That we have access to that water that never runs dry. That we have access to that power that continues to, to flow through us. That will never, ever, ever lose its power. The power of God, that the, the, the blood of God, the, the living power and the, the water of God that flows. I'm so grateful to have access to that. But what's the significance of what Jesus is talking about? 
You see, Jesus is saying that you can grab some H2O, some physical water from this physical well. It's an important well. It's Jacob's well from way back in the day. You can grab some and you'll be fine because it's going to continue to restore you until it runs out. Because that's who you are. That water, that it's going to continue to, to restore those levels of water because that's who you are and that's what you need to survive. But if you grab a hold of me, I'm going to give you something that's even greater that will sustain you not just today, not just tomorrow, but forever. You see, because Genesis chapter 1 says that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And we know that the deep is talking about water. It says, and his spirit hovers over the water. Is that what it says? And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. That's what it says. He created water. Water is from the very beginning. Water is who we are made up of. It's who we are. But that's our physical. Because when he's talking about this living water, he's not talking about the physical. But he's talking about some spiritual things. And he's beginning to equate the fact that you are coming for your natural to to get life in your natural body, to, to quench the thirst of your natural body because that is what you need to survive because that is who you are made up of. But I'm going to give you something in your spirit because there is something that your spirit is made up of that cannot be quenched by giving you just natural water. So I need to give you something that is going to quench your spirit and I can give you this. Not, you know, I know you've been to this, 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 this well for a while I know that you've probably gone and you've done some things and you've tried to find some satisfaction for that spiritual thing but but you've had to keep going back and, and you've not been satisfied and it hasn't stuck because you have to understand where your spirit comes from. It's not made up of just things that make you happy. It's not things that just make you feel good. It's not just things that, you know, just come up. There is something that you are created. There's an image that you have been created in. There is something that your spirit has been made after that has to have something special to fill it. If we go to Genesis chapter 1, I think it's verse 27, so just keep going up and, and it's after he's made the, the, the sun and the moon, after he's separated things, it says that now finally it says, so God created man in his own image, in the image of God created him, male and female created he them. So when we're talking about when he's saying living water, he's not talking about, I, I'm, I'm just going to make it so that you have a little bit to drink in your, 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 your flesh and so things will be good. But he's talking about he's created you in, your, in the image of God, in his image. And so for you to find happiness and for you to find restoration and for you to find wholeness and for you to find peace, there has to be something that is feeding and filling that part. And it's not work, it's not education, it's not relationships, it's not those connections, but for me to be able to thrive and be able to live the life that God has called me to, for me to truly live up to the image that I've been created in, I've got to be plugged in, not to just natural water, which makes up my physical being, but my spiritual being, being, which is fed and which is fueled and which is made up by the holy living God of Israel. I have to understand that he is talking about giving you something that is greater than the natural, that will sustain you and 
and lead you and guide you all the live long day because it is made and created by God. And so for us to be successful, for me to find myself in a place where I'm living to the fullness of God and the fullness of what God has for me, I've got to be connected to this living water because the living water feeds the spirit which is made in the image of God, which is created in the image. My soul is created and yearning for relationship with God. And when I've got that spiritual, that, that living water, it begins to feed my soul, which is created in the image of God. And as long as I'm connected, he says that I am the, that ye are the, that I'm the vine and ye are the branches. As long as you are connected to me, as long as we stay connected to that living water, as long as we stay connected, it says you will not run dry, but there will be blessings. There will be fruit. There are things that are coming on before you. As long as we are connected to the vine that is God, as long as we are connected to the vine of the living water, we know that success will be uh, come about in 2023. Not because of how great I am, not because of how strong I am, not because of how much money I have, not because of the connections I make, but because of the living water that is continuing to feed me, that is continuing to build me, that is continuing to grow me. There are some families that do need to be connected to the living water. There's some husbands that need to be connected to the living water. You want success in your marriage? Be connected to the living water. You want success in your business? Be connected to the living water. You want success in your health? Come on somebody, connect to the living water. Why? Because even when the enemy comes in like a flood, even when trial happens, even when turbulence comes, we are able to sustain, we are able to stand, we are able to stay strong, not because of my might, not because by power, but by His Spirit save the Lord. Someone clap their hands together and say amen. And so hear me. Encounters with the king brings what we need. It's not just where we need it. Not just at the well. But it brings the, the, the strength it brings the power that we need. I'm done. I'm done. I promise. You're not going to be up here a, whole time, a long time. I promise. So the encounter with the king, the last thing, God spoke to me. Spoke so strongly. Not only does he meet us where we need him. Not only does he give us what we need. Sister Roseanne, in this long story, there's so many things. It says that Jesus knew he had to go. He's like, I got to go to Samaria. Everybody else goes around, but I'm about to go straight to. I'm about to come straight to. He tells the woman, he's been sitting at this well, just waiting, tells her, I need something to drink. gives her some life by saying that, listen, you're going to give me something, but I'm going to give you something greater. But all of this is happening in an interesting time. It says that he was weary. You see, because back in the day, they had to walk everywhere. 
If y'all would have come and been here during our pre-service meeting, you would have known that when I had to walk from there, and I was supposed to walk down here, I couldn't even make it. I, had to, I was weary, so I stopped right here. Couldn't even make it down. It's like, hopefully y'all were good. They had to walk literally everywhere. It's exhausting. You start off early in the day and you're walking. And it says in this moment, it gives us a little detail that I think for, our, for years I've overlooked. I jump straight to, listen, he's breaking down barriers. Listen, this is him talking about like racism has no place in God. Like I get so excited. And I skip over a small detail, Brother Anthony. It says that he's weary because it's the sixth hour. Brother Henry, I, it took me a little minute to, to figure out. I was like, the sixth, I have no idea what that is. Six o'clock in the morning, maybe? I don't know. The sixth hour was noon. And you see, you have to understand. In this culture, in this place in the Middle East, you're not going and working real hard outdoors at noon. Listen, I don't live in the Middle East. I live right down the street. And I can promise you, you will not see me mowing my lawn at noon. My head cannot handle the direct onslaught of the sun. You will see, oh, it's lunchtime. The lawnmower will be left. You will think the rapture came. Just, there it is. There it is. It's hot at noon. I'm not at peak performance at noon. The situation and the elements aren't right for me to be successful at noon. This isn't the time for me to go out at noon. So just why is she out at noon? She knows this isn't a secret. Getting water from deep in this well is hard work. She knows that there are more convenient times to struggle and to fight than at noon. She knows that there are better times to achieve her goal. Than at noon. But if you read the history of this woman, we don't know her name, but we know a little bit about her. And we know that life has been hard for her. Life has been difficult for her. And so the pain and the anguish of going in the day, earlier in the day, is too great 
And so it's no accident that we find her at noon coming up to the well and surprised to see anyone there. You see, because this is a moment she has learned, you know, it would be easier if I went in the morning when the temperature is cool, there are people around to help me. But you know what? I've made some mistakes. I've been through some trials. I've experienced some hardships and some pain. And so going in the morning is not an option because of what I would have to experience in the morning. And so I would much rather deal with the heat of noon, the struggle of noon, than the shame of the morning. I'd rather experience the solitude of noon, the isolation of noon, than the anguish of the morning. You see, everybody else is supposed to, it, it, you're taught to go in the morning. But Eric, the morning's not for me. You've been raised to go in the morning. But now life has taught you that only the noon will do. We're entering 2023. And I said earlier, I have complete faith, Brother Henry, that this will be our greatest year. That this will be our best year yet. And I say that, and I stand in front of you and I'm like, listen, it's going to, hey, I can do it. It's going to be a great year. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be wonderful. And there are those that are in here that can shout because you have that belief. But there are some that life has told you that listen, the joy that cometh in the morning, weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. Some of us shout about it. But there are some that are here that are like, you know what? Maybe the morning's not for me. I know what it's like to weep. I know what it's like to experience heartache and hardship. I know what it's like to endure. And so you know what? I'm going to just keep coming at noon. My thirst is quenched. It's a, it's a struggle. It's difficult. It's lonely. It's painful. But you know what? I don't know if the morning is worth it. 
I don't know if the morning is for me. There are some of you in this room today that you've never experienced what it's like to live in the joy of the morning. There are some of you under the sound of my voice today that you have no idea what it's like to walk in the victory of the morning. You know what it's like to fight. You know what it's like to struggle. You know what it's like to, to, to scratch and to claw. But you don't know what it's like to live that free indeed. That, that, that life more abundantly. Hear me. Some of you have been coming to the well at noon for years. Life has taught you that noon is the only place for you. Hear me. Number one, that is a lie from the enemy of your soul. You see, his goal is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He wants to steal your hope. He wants to steal that faith. He wants to destroy that expected end. He wants to steal and destroy the vision of something better. And to say that this is it. But number two, so that that's a lie. But number two, Jesus doesn't just show up in the morning. Jesus doesn't just arrive when the conditions are right. Someone needs to hear me. Jesus doesn't just show up on the scene when things feel good and look good and sound good. Jesus isn't just operating in the blessings of the majority. You see, you look around and you hear about the goodness of God and those shouting and saying, you know what, I'm believing, I'm claiming it, I'm, I'm, I'm holding on to it. God has blessed me, God has done it. But let me tell you, we were sitting with some friends the other day, we were talking, we're talking about the goodness of God. We're talking about the exciting things, some things that we've learned and getting nerdy about the Bible. But at some point, the tone of the conversation shifted. When we started talking about life has not always been easy. There's a poem that says that life ain't been no crystal stair. It's had some turns. It's had some tax in it. There's been some struggle. There's been some fight. There's been some days where I showed up and said all I can do is noon. I don't want anybody to see my shame. 
I don't want anybody to see me. I don't want to have to deal with it. But hear me. Even in the midnight hour, even in the minute where you feel as if you are the most alone, Jesus shows up and says that there's something more than what you have. There's something more available for you. So not does he just show up where you need him, with what you need, but someone needs to hold on because he's going to show up when you need him. That's what happens when you're part of the kingdom. That's what happens when you are connected to the king. The encounters that you have with the king are more than just, oh, fleeting and let me get it right and let me get to the place where, no, 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 no. He's going to meet you where you need him to be. He's going to meet you at your hour of greatest need. He's going to meet you at a place where, you know what, everybody needs to. At some point, everybody's going to find themselves at the well. At some point, you will find yourself at a place, and I promise you, Jesus will be there waiting for you. And in that moment, he's going to say, I know that you're just trying to survive this minute, but I want to give you something that's bigger. And not only do I want to give it to you something that's bigger, but I want to erase the shame and the heartache that has left you isolated and alone and broken and forgotten and beaten and destroyed. I want to leave you with something better than this moment because you deserve better. As we stand all over, Here's what I'm going to encourage you. I know that this was more teaching. Maybe I'll come back next week and then I'll be. But my greatest fear that there will be those that go into this new year living a life far below what God has called them to. That you'll live a life that's far less than what God has designed you for and designed for you. So here's what I'm gonna, here's what I'm gonna ask you to do. They're gonna sing. We do this almost every Sunday. We didn't do it last week, but almost every Sunday. I'm gonna invite you. We used to call it, you know, what was the altar call? It's an opportunity for you to step out of where you are with the stuff that you brought in the experiences that you've had with the future that you thought you had walking in leaving that there and stepping and saying God I want more I want to encounter I want to have an encounter with you 
The book of Hebrews says this. It says that without faith, it's impossible to please him. But it also says that he is a rewarder of them that will diligently seek him. The word of God says that seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Find yourself in a place where you have an encounter with the king. Because when you do that, the whole trajectory of your experience shifts. No longer do you need to live in fear when you have an encounter with the king, but now you're living by faith. No longer are you weighed down by, by shame guilt but when you have an encounter with the king you begin to experience that glory to glory that faith to faith that's what happens when you have an encounter a woman that didn't deserve it she wasn't from the right background the right race the right country, the right education, the right level, had an encounter with the king that shifted and changed her life forever. I'm going to invite you to have an encounter this morning. There'll be some leaders up here that are happy to pray with you, but it doesn't have to be us because it's not about me. It's about you and Jesus Christ. It's about the one that is beginning to feed your soul. That has begun, you've been created in the image of God. And so he's beginning to feed your soul that living water. That water that is going to change your life. That water that is going to sustain you. That when other things failed you, you will be able to stand ye therefore. Not because of you. Is there anybody here today that says that I need to have a different encounter? I need to have something different. Like I, 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 I can't, my year can't be the same as it was before. I, I, I can't do the same. It cannot be the same, but, but I have to have a different encounter. If that's you, I'm going to invite you to come from wherever you are. As they sing and worship, happy to partner with you. There'll be some other leaders here that are happy to partner with you. But most important, find yourself partnering with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, who's able to do amazing things. God bless you as you grab a hold of God and watch him do something incredible with you. God bless you. Unless you come, will you meet me here
Unless you come. 